A-M-E-M, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. Dave. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this is going to be more of a serious show. We are going to concentrate more about the events that took place over the past week rather than alpha male pleasure maneuvers. But there comes a time when all of us as alpha males, we get serious. Yes, we enjoy alpha male pleasure maneuvers. Yes, we enjoy the good life. Yes, we enjoy the fruits of our labor. But we're also extremely intelligent. We're amongst the most intelligent individuals, not only in America, but across the world. And I know we have many global listeners. We are amongst the most elite in terms of intelligence. And therefore, when there are important events of the day, be it politics, be it cultural, social, there are times when we must address those issues. And I will conduct that forum today on The Cigar Dave Show. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute. The general front and center from Command Center Alpha. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm going to conduct the National Cigar or the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony in the next hour, beginning of the next hour. However, you are free to fire up a cigar, pour yourself a cocktail, have a delicacy as you partake and listen into the conversation maneuvers, the serious conversation maneuvers that I need to get to. And there are three items that I want to get to primarily this hour and beginning of the next hour. In the bottom of the second half hour, or the second hour, we will be playing our interview from the Premium Cigar Association convention that we conducted in the Davidoff booth. So we will spend the last half hour of the show talking a little bit about pleasure maneuvers. But there are three things I want to get to before then. First up, I want to talk about the El Paso and the Dayton shootings. I want to talk about what Joaquin Castro did for the Julian Castro for President campaign by doxing some contributors. And lastly, we'll talk about the Democratic Socialists of America conference. We have some audio bites that we have to play. Absolute wackadoodles amongst their comrades. But first up, I want to talk about what took place in El Paso, and Dayton. Two items that took place on Saturday, last Saturday, that are vital that we discuss. We have had serious conversations before after these mass shootings. When the Parkland School was attacked by a very deranged former student, I spent almost the entire program talking about various items that must be looked at to solve these issues, to solve these mass shootings. What are we seeing in common amongst most of these mass shootings? Whether it was Columbine, Parkland, El Paso, in Dayton, what was the one common denominator? Younger boys 
who felt alienated, younger boys that either didn't have the social skills, had some mental deficiencies, but in general, they were all male, younger, 18, 17, 18, 20, 22, common denominators. And we're going to talk about those legitimate solutions and because when I see these people, these, these libs and these Democrats and these presidential candidates jumping up and down saying, that's it, gun control immediately, it's all rhetoric. They're not interested in solving the problem. If you really wanted to solve the problem, you'd have the Democrat candidates, you would have Democrats in the House, the Senate, contact the opposing leadership, whether it's Mitch McConnell, whether it is President Trump saying, look, let's have a quiet conversation on what we can do to stop this. We are Americans first. Let's put country above party. Let us put country above politics. Let us sit together quietly, not in front of TV cameras, and let's find ways that we can address this issue. It's not just gun control. Because if there weren't guns, they'd take a car, they'd take a van, they'd take a knife, they'd take and use other weapons. Now, I found it very interesting because first up, we have El Paso and then Dayton. Now, the first thing that the libs, the socialists, the members of the liberal stream media, the slanted fake news biased media said, the manifesto, the manifesto written by the El Paso mass killer, Totally the basis for the argument that the shootings were inspired by President Trump. How many of the presidential candidates, how many Democrats, how many of the liberal stream media do you think actually read the 2,400-word manifesto that was left by the El Paso killer? I'll tell you how many. Probably zero. But they're quoting it left and right primarily from a New York Times article with the headline, El Paso Shooting Suspects Manifesto Echoes Trump's Language. The story quoted out of 2,400 words in that manifesto, 28 words. 28 words specifically writing that his views predate Trump. Now, I read the entire manifesto. Here's the interesting thing. All the liberal stream media that went out and wrote articles pointing their finger about Trump being the cause, the instigator of this terrible shooting, this terrible tragedy in El Paso. Horrific. Could have happened to any of us. Whether it's in a Walmart, a Target, we're going into a supermarket. The only thing these people did were guilty of was going to Walmart at the wrong time. That's it. Now, we can argue about immigration, illegal immigration, we can have arguments. We can have rational conversations. We can talk about gun control. We can talk about items that must be addressed. But all of a sudden, when you start having legitimate conversations and bring up legitimate facts or express your opinions, all of a sudden it's met with, well, that's hate speech. The rhetoric has got to be toned down. I find it amazing. Those people that say the rhetoric must be toned down are the first to exploit rhetoric demagogue an issue, jump up and down, and create mass hysteria. They're the ones that get in front of the TV cameras, get in front of microphones, and go crazy like Robert Francis Betamail O'Rourke. Accusing Trump, saying, oh, 
It was, it was an act of terror inspired by Donald Trump's racism. But nobody ever read the manifesto. None of the newspapers, none of the media linked to the manifesto. Why? Because truth be told, they didn't want and don't want informed citizens, informed members of the public to actually read what the El Paso mass murderer had to say. I wanted to read it. I wanted to see what was in this nutcase's head. And I did. And I'm going to share some of that with you today because it's vital. Again, if we want to talk about and solve an issue, then you've got to be honest. You've got to be legitimate. You can't dance around and blame everything except try to find the real causes of why the killer did what he did. Now, is there a portion, I think, somebody who's absolutely mentally deranged? Sure. Is that why I believe that he did it? No. But when you read the manifesto, you get a very interesting insight. And the reason that the liberals, the Democrats, the socialists, the presidential candidates don't want you to read the manifesto, because it primarily points the finger at them, not at President Trump, not at the Republicans. There were 28 words in that 2,400-word manifesto. uh, uh, 28 words. And all it said of those 28 words that his views predate President Trump. Use 28 words to essentially say that. But the socialists, the Democrats, the liberals, they don't want to deal with the actual, realistic, factual information. So what exactly did this El Paso killer write? I assure you, Most news organizations and media did not read a lick of the manifesto. I did. I read the entire manifesto, 2,400 words, twice. Now, when you look at the whole thing, I'm going to break it into parts. The first part, any debate team, any Democrat, Republican, anybody with intelligence would read and say, you know, the guy makes some interesting points. He brings up some commonly debated issues such as the environment, talks about the economy, that are absolutely within the bounds of normal conversation, political conversation that is engaged in today throughout this country. Now, he starts to go off the rails in the second and third parts. He mixes in his theories on immigration. He throws in some race mixing talks about a solution is to murder Hispanic immigrants, talks about weapons. He went way off the deep end, way off the tracks. But again, if you read the the entire manifesto and read the first part, the first third, any of us would engage in common sense debate. Now, to me, illegal immigration should be stopped. That is not hate speech. That does not mean that I am anti-Hispanic. That does not mean that I am anti-African. It simply means I believe we should have an organized method to vetting people that want to come in, to making sure people follow the law, to know who we are going to let in. And when President Trump says we've got an invasion going on at the southern border, when you have a million people coming in illegally, by any metric, by any definition, that is an invasion. And let's relate that to our homes. 
you come home one, come home one day and you find that there are, let's just say, a hundred people in your home that have picked the lock and are now sitting on your sofas. They're in your kitchen. Kitchen. They are in. They are essentially going through your refrigerator. They're partaking in libations. They're going through your cigar stash. Their feet are propped up. They're watching TV. You come home. What is the first thing you are going to say? I've got a hundred invaders in my house. There's an invasion going on here. Now, does that mean that you are, if they are Hispanic or black or white, does that mean you're anti-white, you're anti-black, you're anti-Hispanic? No. It means you have a hundred people that you didn't invite into your home and now all of a sudden have taken up residence. That is an invasion. It is no difference whether someone is, or a large group is coming into your home trespassing Without an invitation, they're coming into your home illegally, or they are crossing the border illegally. There is absolutely no difference. To say that there is invasion going out of the southern border does not in any way, shape, or form promote or promulgate the encouragement to take violent action against an entire group of people, all Hispanics. And what's interesting is, most of the Hispanics that I know that have come through or come to this country legally, that have waited in line, that got their green cards, that it took five years, ten years, they are anti-illegal immigration. Whether it's Hispanic, whether it's African, whether it is uh, uh, European, whether it is Canadian, makes no difference. Their attitude is, I came in the legal way, everyone else should too. That isn't racist. Now, in this manifesto, the El Paso murderer worries about immigration, but he also talks about automation. He's worried about automation, about job losses, talks about a universal basic income, goes on to rail against oil drilling, urban sprawl, plastic waste, paper waste, a blue Texas, college debt, recycling, health care, sustainability. And in fact, the argument could easily be made that large, overwhelming portions of the El Paso Murderer's Manifesto are anti-Trump. They are never Trump. Let me give you some examples. The El Paso Murderer in his manifesto expresses deep concerns over politics in the United States. He calls it one of the biggest betrayals in history. He said, the takeover of the United States government started by unchecked corporations. Now, the last time I looked, most people are not going to point the finger and say, wait a minute, he is anti-corporation, that must mean he is a solid Republican. He goes on to say the biggest problem was a dangerous political mix. He points the, the, the finger at both Republicans and Democrats. He says, due to the death of the baby boomers, the increasingly anti-immigrant rhetoric of the right and the ever-increasing Hispanic population, America will soon become a one-party state. And that one party he talks about is the Democratic Party. But he also goes on to say he has little use for Republicans. While he primarily goes after the Democrats, especially pointing out what the Democrats did in the debates, opening up the borders, free health care for illegals, free uh, unlimited citizenship, he goes on to blame 
the pro-corporation Republican Party, saying that many of these pro-Republican corporations believe in bringing in as many illegals as possible so they can get cheap labor. They want mass immigration. Now, he's pointing the finger at both Republicans and Democrats. He also goes on to talk about college education, the cost of college education. He says has exploded as the value of degrees has plummeted. As a result, the generation of indebted, overqualified students are filling menial, low-paying, and unfulfilling jobs. A high school degree used to be worth something. He said no longer. He says our lifestyle is destroying the environment of our country. Corporations destroying the environment by shamelessly over-harvesting resources. Does this guy sound like a rabid Republican? Like a rabid pro-Trump individual? I don't think so. That's why. the And I don't say mainstream because they're not mainstream. The liberal slanted media do not want you reading the manifesto because it portrays and points the finger primarily at the Democrats and uh, against the Republicans. The bottom line here is this. He basically says in one sentence, my opinions on automation, immigration, and the rest predate Trump and his campaign for president. I'm putting this here because some people will blame the president or certain presidential candidates for the attack. This is not the case. I know that the media will probably call me a white supremacist anyway and blame Trump's rhetoric. The media is infamous for fake news. The reaction to this attack will likely just confirm that. This is a very warped individual. But when you read this manifesto, this wasn't president inspired by President Trump's rhetoric. This wasn't inspired by President Trump saying, we have to close the borders and make sure that we contain illegal immigration. There are 2,400 words in this manifesto. He mentions President Trump in one context, saying, my views predate Trump. And again, anti-Republican, anti-Democrat. So please... Let's be realistic, and let's look at this objectively. Everybody, we have to have gun control. The rhetoric has to be toned down. But then when we look at the Dayton, or the Dayton shootings and look at the social media postings of the killer there, he left a long trail. Elizabeth Warren supporter, pro-Antifa. In fact, when... One of the, uh, the Antifa people were murdered trying to, or was killed, trying to, trying to uh, penetrate an ICE installation in Oregon. I think it was last month. He called that Antifa member a martyr. So this kid was absolutely a leftist, a rabid leftist. The media, not a peep. Crickets, nothing to be heard because it doesn't fit their narrative. Most Americans are sick and tired of the candidates, the politicization, the finger-pointing, the rhetoric, saying we have to have gun control and it's this person's fault and that person's fault. Well, I'm going to present to you what I believe are the real issues, the real problems. It's not just one item. It's not just guns. It is not rhetoric. And we've talked about this during Parkland. It is the fact that we live now in an entitlement society. Every kid gets a participation trophy. Fewer kids 
socializing in the proper methods, hiding behind social media, hiding behind a computer or a video game. We don't see family dinners anymore. Boys have been relegated to second-class status. There are no communication skills. Everybody texts. You can't even talk to somebody. I see kids going out to dinner. They're three feet away from each other. They're texting each other. They're not talking to each other. We see it in companies and businesses. Instead of popping your head into a, into a, a colleague's office and saying, hey, wh what do you think about this or what do you think about that, email or text? And I love it when people tell me, I'll call them on the phone, and I'll say, hey, listen, I want to talk about this particular item. They'll say, well, great. Why don't you send me an email about it? And my answer is no. I'm calling you about it. We're going to have a discussion. People hide behind a computer screen. There's dad syndrome. And we've got some very interesting audio bites, sound bites, that we will play from Warren Farrell, Ph.D., who wrote the book a year ago, just over a year ago, The Boy Crisis. There is a major crisis with boys and young men in this country. I'll talk about mandatory service. We should have that. It's not a one-stop answer. It is not automatically ban guns. That's not going to solve the problem. Rhetoric isn't going to solve the problem. But again, every time there is these shootings, and there were a ton of them under President Obama, they occurred under President Bush, under President Clinton, Nobody wants to address the real problems. Nobody wants to sit down as rational individuals in an apolitical forum and say, let us discuss this. We've got to stop this. How do we stop it? But instead, the Democrats, the presidential candidates from the Democrat Party, the ultra-leftists, the socialists, they're all demagoguing this issue, blaming Trump, blaming rhetoric, Blaming guns, blaming everything except looking at what needs to be done to correct this issue. Why? Because it's far easier to just use insightful rhetoric, demagogue an issue rather than solve the problem. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is a Nova Cigar Super Premium Sampler including the Platinum Nova Sultan Box Pressed. This full-bodied blend features a dark Mexican San Andreas wrapper and Dominican filler aged to perfection. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. 
The Padrón lines include the Padrón 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padrón Traditional line. All Padrón cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padrón. For your Padrón retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padrón is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. So if we want to really solve this issue of teenage males, young adult males going on shooting rampages, going off the deep end, we have to look for solutions. We have to look at the causes, first of all. What are the causes? Is it because somebody simply talks about wanting to close the border, wanting to make sure that we rein in illegal immigration? No, that's not it. Is it because somebody basically is unhappy with a particular school? That, that's not really it. There are far more underlying issues, severe underlying issues that have to be looked at. It's not rhetoric. It's not guns. The gun is the byproduct of the real issues. Because if it wasn't a gun, these Young males would either get a knife, they'd get a car, they would get a van, they would come up with some other insidious way to harm others. Now, if you take a look at this country, over the last, let's say, 30, 40 years, what has changed? Let's start with that. Let's look at something very basic. What has changed in 40 years with boys? What's changed? Well, primarily... We're seeing an increase in the number of divorced homes, single parent mothers or fathers, but we're primarily seeing custody going with the mother. When did joint custody go out of style? Well, it goes back about 40 years ago. And again, you'll never hear this. You won't hear this on the liberal stream media. You won't hear this anywhere else. Why? Because it's too difficult to face the truth. In the mid-70s, the National Organization of Women came out against joint custody. At one time, when parents got divorced, it was joint custody. You'd have your kids for a week, another one for a week, or it would be three days here, four days. You'd have a mother influence, you'd have a father influence. When the National Organization of Women, the National Organization of Ugly Women that Couldn't Get a Man If Their Life Depended on It, came out in the mid-70s saying, we don't believe in the presumption of joint custody. They weren't saying that we believe in equality. They were saying that women should have the absolute first right, greater rights than the father. So all of a sudden, when you have more boys in a divorced home, living with their mother, without a father or dad influence, that is a major issue. 
And in a few minutes, I will get into some sound bites with Warren uh, Farrell, Ph.D., wrote the book The Boy Crisis, who brings up some very valid points, points that I've been stating all along. We are seeing boys in schools going back now 40 years with the rise of the feminist movement, where the feminists blamed men for every one of their ills. Men were the reason women were held down. Men are the problem with the gra- uh, were, were responsible for the glass ceiling. Essentially stating that boys from the time they come out of their mother's womb are sexual predators. They are evil beings that will grow up to be evil boys, evil young adults, evil men. That's fact. There has been a hatred towards men, towards males, towards boys. We see it in the classroom the last 40 years. Boys have been relegated to second-class citizens. Teachers spending more time with girls, encouraging girls, telling boys, you just go and play, you're not as smart. We see it in Hollywood. Look at Everybody Everybody Loves Raymond, the way men and boys are portrayed on television, in comedies. Sure, it's funny when you see Raymond come home and say, hello, Deborah, here's my paycheck, but he comes off as a dumb, irresponsible Beta oaf. That's the stereotype that has been running rampant the last 20, 30 years. Men are the butt of all the jokes. Women are the responsible ones. Women are the smart ones. And when you look today at the reality that the majority of college graduates are women, the majority of postgraduate degrees are women, there is no glass ceiling. There is a glass ceiling for boys and males. Boys, young adult males, adult males being relegated to second-class citizens. You and I are alpha males. We're not relegated to that. We treat our women right. We know exactly how to be polite. We know how to act, and that's a big problem when you don't have a male role model that guides you. You don't know how to act. And now we see kids that basically want to be boys running around getting all that energy out, roughhousing on the playground. What happens? The school says, you've got to stop that, little Johnny. No, 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 you're, you're, you are demonstrating violent behavior. No roughhousing here. We can't have that. You've got ADD. It's not ADD. Boys are like puppies. They have massive amounts of untapped and unspent energy. They have to get the energy out. How do you get the energy out? You play. You roughhouse. You wrestle, that's normal boyhood behavior. But now, normal boyhood behavior is curtailed. It is nipped in the bud. So what happens? You have all that pent-up energy. We see this entitlement society, this participation trophy society. Every kid is a winner. Every boy is told, you're wonderful, you're fabulous, we don't keep score. So what happens when you don't keep score? Boys don't know how to win. They don't know how to lose. They don't know how to win with grace. They don't know how to lose with grace. They don't know how to, when they lose, say, i got to work harder. I've got to try harder. You don't get angry. You channel that energy into working harder. They don't know how to deal with loss, whether it's on a playing field or in real life. So what happens when they're not taught from a young age how to lose, how to accept losing, how to use losing or a loss as motivation to win, 
Boys will snap. They will snap. Bullying at a young age is okay. We hear, oh, we can't bully anybody. You know what? It toughens kids up. We have boys today. Kids are not tough. I say it, we live in a soft society. So when something doesn't go their way, they're going to lash out. We see fewer kids playing sports. They're behind a video screen. They're playing video games. And in fact, when the kids want to just go play sports and have fun, what happens? Today we're seeing an explosion, a proliferation of coaches that think they're in the pros. They want these little kids to play like pros. What happened to just having fun? I see it now. You see kids that are now playing baseball or hockey and they're schlepped around to three games a day, five games a weekend. We're going to travel teams. Kids don't have fun anymore. And you watch some of these coaches on the high school level and even in the grade school level, and you think, Jesus, these guys are are auditioning for an NHL, NFL, or an NBA job. We need to go back to let kids play and have fun. Whether you're good or bad, just play. Keep score. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. But you expend energy. You learn how to have fun. Sports builds camaraderie. It is a social bonding experience. Good sportsmanship. That's what you teach. We see kids today and families today don't sit down for dinner talking about sports. A friend of mine tells me, Every time I run into her, she's like, oh, yeah, i got to run my kids. I, I, I call her or whatever, and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, we're going to do this. So we're going to get a whole group of people together. She's like, well, I can't because we're taking the kids here, and I'll, I'll hear, like, something in the background. Would you like to supersize that? I'm like, where are you? Well, we're at uh, the Wendy's or at McDonald's. I'm getting them dinner right now because they got another game or they've got another practice or they've got this going on. We're overloading kids with too much. So you don't have dinner at the table. They're eating at them back in the back seat of a car going to practice. We don't see kids that have communication skills. What happens? Everybody's texting now. They're hiding behind their phones, their PCs. We need to have communication skills. We are creating socially inept boys and children in general. And the last is the dance syndrome. When you don't have a male role model, when boys do not have a male role model to guide them, to show them how to be a polite alpha male, to show them how to treat women, to show them how to be polite, to teach them manners, to teach them winning and losing, to teach them social skills, what happens? They don't have anyone to look up to. Their mothers try to do, in many cases, they try to do the best they can And people say, well, why doesn't this happen to girls? Because the girls are living with their mothers. And their mothers are doing the exact same thing fathers would be doing to the boys. When you don't have those skills, when you are not teaching young boys how to turn into polite young men, young adults, they will turn into socially inept and rude adult males. It's that simple. Again, A lot of fingers that can go be pointed. Fewer kids playing sports, participation trophy, entitlement. We don't have dinners anymore where people communicate. What did you do today? Tell us about what's happening, where you share things at the dinner table. Boys relegated to second-class status behind girls. In school, at work. Communication skills lacking. 
You can say maybe there's video games involved, but I think that's a small degree. What the video games do is shield boys from communicating with others. They hide behind an electronic device, and they stay in their cocoon. They're not outside playing sports, interacting, socializing. And I think we should also have mandatory service one year for every boy and every girl right after high school. From 18 to 19, whether it's in the armed forces, whether it is doing community service, whether it is working with senior citizens, whether it is working to better a community, whatever the case may be, they should bond with others in a group and understand and learn about other facets of America and appreciate America. That's another issue. We don't see the appreciation. Think about World War II for a moment. We had boys, they were boys, 17, 18, 19 years old, from every walk of life, wealthy, middle class, poor, every city, every farm, every size state, all in one common effort to defeat the Nazis and to maintain freedom and peace in the world. It was a team effort, if you will. Hundreds of thousands of American boys that came from different walks of life, different religions, but they all bonded and became one. We don't have that anymore. Maybe one year of mandatory service would do that. When I come back, I want to play some sound bites from Warren Farrell, Ph.D., wrote the book The Boy Crisis. Brings up many of the issues we've talked about. He was on the... Uh, the story with Martha McCallum several nights ago. When we come back, we will play what he had to say. This is a complex problem. We can find solutions, but it's going to take rational, intelligent adults like you and I, without a lot of hyperbole and out crazy rhetoric, to sit down in an apolitical environment and solve the problem. And it's not going to happen in a month. It's not going to happen in a year. It took 20, 30 years for these problems to build. It's probably going to take us that many years to alleviate and correct the problem. But we should start right now. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. As cigar connoisseurs, we love to find new cigars. We love to go into the humidor and hunt for the latest and greatest. 
while I do the work for you, because as the man in charge of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, I am always scouting what is new, what is exciting, what is hot. At the Premium Cigar Association convention, I found a brand new boutique cigar manufacturer that was the star of the show, Nova Cigars. We're featuring three of their super premium, fantastic cigars in our August 2019 Officers Club selection. We're featuring the Platinum Nova Salt in a beautiful box press torpedo with a San Andreas wrapper, the Personal Reserve Leo X, nice, spicy, tasty cigar, and the Platinum Nova Classic, very rich. Three great cigars from Nova Cigar. You'll be amongst the first in the country to enjoy these. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com, $22.95 per month, gets you great cigars. The El Paso and Dayton shootings revealed something that we have known for a long time. It's not guns, it's not rhetoric. Far more underlying issues, I have spoken about them all. Whether it is this Entitlement Participation Trophy Society, whether it is lack of communication, hiding behind text and computers, not having a family dinner, discussing what's going on, no communication skills, as I mentioned, the dad syndrome, which is a key item. And it's very interesting because the El Paso shooter, the murderer, had a quote in his manifesto saying, After I picked up the handgun, I brought it back to my room and felt a new sense of power. I was now armed. Who's the alpha male now, bitch? Well, I'm sorry. Picking up a handgun or a weapon does not make one an alpha male. And that shows how demented and disturbed and how off-kilter this murderer was or is. We know that as alpha males, it's not about power. It's about politeness. It's about class. Yes, it's about being strong and being decisive. But I'm sorry. Alpha males, this, this by the definition... This guy thinking he's an alpha male because he picked up a weapon because it gave him a sense of power is the antithesis of being an alpha male. Now, on Fox News several nights ago, the story with Martha McCallum, Warren Farrell, Ph.D., he has written a book called The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. And at one time, believe it or not, Farrell came to prominence in the 1970s as a supporter of second-wave feminism. He was on the New York City board of the National Organization for Women. But today, he's kind of changed his tune. He said that there shouldn't be women, a woman's movement blaming men, nor a men's movement blaming women, a gender liberation movement freeing both sexes from the rigid roles of the past towards more flexible roles for the future. But he brought up some very interesting points, some of which I espoused here, I've espoused in the past. Here is the first item when he talks about what do these killers all have in common? What, what I found is that in the prison population, in the ISIS population, in the mass shooter population, they all have in common a very high percentage, about 90%, 
dad-deprived boys. And what happens when boys are dad-deprived is they don't have a male role model to channel their testosterone constructively. Um, and so you don't, and, and, and the male role model tends, in, a, in addition to being just a male role model, uh, dads tend to be much tougher on boundary enforcement, and the boundary enforcement creates postponed gratification, which leads the boys to being able to be successful at school or successful in sports, to feel more proud of themselves, not ashamed of themselves, not withdrawing, not feeling like an outsider. Uh, they get praise from teachers, they get praise from women uh, and, uh, and male mm -hmm. peers, and they get praise at home. And those boys remain involved in the process. They're also much more likely to learn how to be empathetic because they do roughhousing with dad. And then the roughhousing dad says, you push your, you, know, you put your elbow in your sister's face, mm -hmm. there'll be no more roughhousing. So the boy learns to think of his sister rather than thinking just of himself. And so, and he learns the difference between being assertive and aggressive. All these things, empathy and assertiveness, um, create friendships that allow him to be involved and engaged and feel like in, in his ability to accomplish things allows him to feel a sense of purpose. So boys with dads um, involved, the more the father is involved, the more that boy is likely to find, to discover himself and be successful in whatever yeah. he discovers. Bingo. When the father is involved, male role models teaching their young boys, their young uh, adult boys, how to behave, appropriate behavior, manners, how to act, where the line is. It's no different when I have Baron, my 16-month-old uh, my German Shepherd, Pendragon's Royal Baron, or, or Pendragon's Royal Sultan when they were puppies. You are the alpha. You teach them boundaries and limitations. They know. But you have to teach them. And when you don't have a father or male role model in the home or, or within the family teaching these boys, that's when the problems ensue. We talked about the El Paso killer talking about uh, who's the alpha male now. Felt a feeling he had power when he had the gun in his hand. Let's take a listen to what Farrell had to say about that. And of course, he's exactly the opposite of the alpha male. What he's done is he came from a divorced home. There was there wasn't there was a great deal of conflict, and there was and when those and when boys don't know how to succeed and have purpose, and he was very sensitive, and his uh, he felt that gee, um, mom, mom says that you know that the, the girls like sensitive guys, but then he sees the girls going out with the football players and the not so sensitive guys, and he becomes angry and hurt that he and feels rejected and so boys who hurt hurt us bingo now he believes there's time uh, there should be a it is time for a white house council on boys because uh, boys are, have been having increasing numbers of problems we are uh, boys are much more like, likely to commit suicide now than girls are four, four to six times as likely in the late teens and early 20s uh, their life expectancy is going down that's amazing that any sex's life expectancy is going down um, girls girls life expectancy is not going down their sperm counts are going down by 50 percent their IQs are going down uh, they're much more likely to feel um, uh, 
that anger that comes without having jobs. Um, Federal Reserve Chair Jer Jerome Powell pointed out there's two crises that are occurring in the future. Uh, one is the cyber warfare, the second is the boy crisis. Yeah. And, um, and, and so if we're not preparing our schools with male teachers, with um, communication mm -hmm. systems, um, teaching girls and boys in elementary school to communicate with each other rather than bully each other, teaching their parents to communicate with each other so that there aren't the divorces that lead to yeah. the, uh, the absence of fathers. This problem will only get worse unless the Democrats stop the political grandizing and stop the demagoguing and say, let's get together with Republicans, let's get together with apolitical people, let's get a White House counsel. I would love to see President Trump enact that. If you want to solve the problem, let's look at realistic solutions. I laid out the roadmap. It's not guns. It's not rhetoric. The issues are far more serious. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show is next. We can solve the problem as alphas. This, this is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. Our first hour, we engaged in serious dialogue and discussion. There are times when we must put pleasure aside, as alpha males, as intelligent individuals, and talk about the important news items or topics of the day, and that's certainly talking about the El Paso and Dayton shootings were vital. So we spent the entire hour on that. Now, we had to delay the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. Actually, we should change that. It's the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony because we have Alpha's listeners across the globe. So it is the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. We will get to also in this half hour, we'll talk about what Representative Joaquin Raul Castro a little conniving SOB had to uh, what he did earlier this week. And then, well, in this half hour, we'll have a little humor. We'll inject a little bit of humor, my fellow comrades. And you'll see why I'm calling you comrades. Because we will play some audio from the socialist Democrat Socialist Convention that took place in Atlanta week before last. It is just, it is priceless. Priceless audio we will get to. As always, coming to you from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa, make sure you follow me. Social media, go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. You will see all the links for social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I like Twitter, but I'm going to tell you, I'm getting very disillusioned with these social media companies that are blacklisting, that are censoring, that are uh, uh, just blatantly, blatantly using their algorithms 
to essentially deep six people whose viewpoints they disagree with. And it has just gone way, way over the top. And frankly, I'm not one for legislation. I like a free market, but I think it is time now because what's going on by these, they have major, major abilities to be the gatekeeper. The old gatekeepers used to be the newspapers or TV networks. I think those days are over. In many cases, they are over. It's the social media, the traffic that goes to Twitter and Facebook. They have the ability to reroute traffic, to make sure you don't see things in search, different searches. There is no question we're at a point where it should be regulated because essentially they are like public utilities now, and I believe we are at that point. All right, before we go on to several other items, I know I gave you permission to go ahead and fire up your cigar, fire up your delicacies, fire up your libations. Well, now it's my turn. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I will tell you that at the PCA convention, the Premium Cigar Association, formerly known as the Cigar or uh, International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, they had a very cool Davidoff taste experience where you could see the Davidoff Nicaragua, the Davidoff uh, Yamasa, uh, their Davidoff, uh, the Brazilian cigar. You could see all the different taste experience, how they all came together. It was very cool. And in fact, if you go to CigarDave.com and click on our PCA convention coverage, you can see all the videos. But we will play at the bottom of this hour, or the last half hour of the show, we will play the audio of our video tour of the Davidoff booth. And so it's appropriate that I select a Davidoff cigar to enjoy for the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. So I have pulled out the Davidoff Yamasa. I took a couple when I was there, and I had one last weekend, and it is Yamasa Yummy. Delicious. The wrapper is from the Yamasa region in the Dominican Republic. It has a reputation for being very difficult to grow cigar tobaccos in. But the Yamasa features a wrapper grown in the Yamasa region. Hanky Kellner, expert in tobaccos and cigar blending. He worked at it for a number of years, created a beautiful, dark, almost a milk chocolatey looking wrapper leaf. The binder is from the San Vicente region of the Dominican Republic, and the fillers are from Nicaragua. Absolutely magnificent looking cigar. I have it in my hand. I've got the Petit Churchill. And when I tell you Petit Churchill, this is indeed a Corona size cigar. Don't let the Churchill fool you. It's a four inch by 48 ring gauge size cigar. So it's four inches in length, 48 64 in diameter of an inch. So it is about three quarters of an inch, or less than that really. But a very, very nice, small, compact cigar. Delicious, gonna run you about 12 bucks. Beautiful taste complexion in this cigar. You're going to get some notes of coffee. You are going to get uh, a little bit of medium to full bodied flavors, some notes of pepper, a little cedar, very, very, but a little bit of sweetness as well. But a beautiful looking cigar, the Davidoff Yamasa, my selection today. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine in my hand, ready for action. 
Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, I've got this Bugatti Vulcan that uh, was given to me at the PCA convention. Beautiful, very cool because the head can be removed in case you get a jamming of the where the flames come out of. You don't fill it with butane. You don't have to get the butane and drain the tank. It's got little tanks that go right in. It's an interchangeable butane tank. It's fantastic. Cool technology at uh, 100 bucks. Can't go wrong. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this Davidoff Yamasa, this Corona size. They call it a short Churchill. It is a Corona. Doesn't take long to light. Not like that Magnum 6x60 that I lit last week. It was part of our Officers Club selection. A magnificent cigar from Aganorsa. Here is now toasted. I'll puff and rotate. Mm. Very nice. Great draw. Mm. Nice notes right off the bat. Mm. One thing about a Corona, easy to light. Very pleasant. Definite some sweetness. Her strength. Little chocolatey espresso type of notes. Lovely. The Davidoff Yamasa is now lit. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. I need a libation that will hold up to this Davidoff Yamasa. It is medium to medium full. So one of my favorite breweries in Florida is Funky Buddha. Love their beers. Very, very cool beers. Very unique beers. They come out with some seasonal beers. And hard to believe we are now just uh, less than 60 days away from Cigar Oktoberfest. Next month, September, we'll be celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month, tasting bourbons and American whiskeys all month. But I've just pulled out a can of the Funky Buddha Hop Gun IPA India Pale Ale. 7% alcohol by volume. On the International Bitterness Unit Scale, IBUs at 60. So it's going to have some serious hoppiness. A lot of flavor. Let me open it up right now. Cool and refreshing. It's been warm in the Cigar City of Tampa and most of the Southeast in August. So let me take a little, little pineapple, little grapefruit, definite some hoppiness notes. I will say cheers. Mm. Wow, definite maltiness. You can definitely notice the the hoppy IBU, the bitterness. A little bit towards the back of the tongue. Very, very nice beer. Mm. Let me take a puff of my Davidoff Yamasa. Very nice. Take a sip of my Hopgun IPA, and I am now ready to get into several other items. Now, today there seems to be, at one point you could debate other people, you could engage in debate, you could disagree, and you could do so civilly, politely. In fact, I remember in many debates when I was in high school, we would be assigned a particular topic. Whether we agreed with it or not, we'd always have to take one side or the other, pro or con. And we would debate, and in fact, we would continue most of the time debating at lunch or after school on other items, and yet, 
we always remained friends. We were always civil to each other. We were we disagreed without being disagreeable. Well, today the ultra left, the socialists, the Democrats, the liberals, including the conspiracy or the not conspiracy, but the the co- their cohorts, co- excuse me, their cohorts in the left wing radical media have taken disagreement into a new definition, new territory. Disagreement is now the definition of hate speech according to the Democrats, the liberals. Now, you go into a cigar lounge, people enjoying their cigars, there are Democrats, Republicans, conservative, liberals, apolitical, independents, different religions, different uh, races. It's amazing. Everybody seems to get along when you go into a cigar lounge. Everybody's smoking their cigars. Great debates take place, but civil debates, that's the difference. We as alphas and as cigar connoisseurs, we're civil. We don't take things personally. We can engage in debate. We can disagree. We don't take things personally. We don't have to hate somebody. No, not with the ultra-left today. It has changed dramatically. And today, if you donate to a political candidate who you disagree with, that is now considered supporting hate speech. It has gone off the rails. The latest example is Representative Joaquin Raul Castro. Now, I'm going to call the Castros, Representative Joaquin Castro and his brother Julian Castro. I am going to now give them the nickname of their fellow named Castros, Fidel and Raul, because as far as I'm concerned, they belong in the same evil category. Now, I have no problem. If, if you want to disagree with the Castros, with Joaquin or Julian, that's fine. I disagree with them. Now, I personally would never say, well, anybody that agrees with Joaquin or Julian Castro, they are communists, they are radicals, they should be despised, and they should be hated. I wouldn't say that ever. I disagree with them. I will violently, or I shouldn't say violently, I will will vociferously disagree with them in debate. I wouldn't be violent. I would vociferously debate, but I would never encourage anyone to go out and say, if you disagree with them, go pick at their homes, pick at their businesses, cause damage to them in any way, shape, or form. But that's what we're seeing now on the ultra-left. Case in point, Representative Joaquin Fidel Castro, who is the campaign chairman, kind of a joke, for his brother Julian Raul Castro's presidential campaign, who's polling at way less than 1%. Julian is the former mayor of San Antonio, not even a strong mayor city, and the former secretary of housing and urban development under Barack Obama, who's running for president, Raul, Julian Raul Castro. But Representative Joaquin Castro went on the Twitter, pay, or Twitter feed of the presidential campaign for Julian, And came out with a tweet saying, and I will quote, I will eliminate certain aspects, Castro for Congress, Joaquin Castro, this is actually his his personal account, sad to see so many San Antonians as 2019 maximum donors to Donald Trump, the owner of blank, owner of blank, realtor blank, etc. Their contributions are fueling a campaign of hate that labels Hispanic immigrants as invaders. And he attaches a graphic stating who's funding Trump. 
In 2019, these 44 San Antonio donors contributed the most allowable by federal law. And he lists their names and their businesses, including people that are retirees. Some people are several homemakers. This is beyond the pale of acceptable behavior. Now, you can say it's public information, and Joaquin Castro is claiming hiding behind that, and it is public information. But for the party that says rhetoric, we need to dial down the rhetoric, and this rhetoric can cause violence, I find it amazing. Bernie Sanders had a supporter that went and shot Republicans who were practicing, Republican congressmen practicing in Virginia for a softball game. Nobody blamed Bernard Sanders. Elizabeth Warren had a follower who last weekend goes to a Daytona, I want to say Daytona, to a Dayton entertainment district and engages in mass murder. I don't see anybody saying it's Elizabeth Warren's rhetoric. She's the reason that he went and did it. However, if it's somebody that supports President Trump or somebody who even remotely identifies with President Trump or one of his viewpoints, all of a sudden it's President Trump's fault that every Trump supporter should be castigated, should be called out, and should be exposed. Never in a million years, even though the information is public and you can go look it up, would I ever, if I was running for office, would I or advocate anybody running for office, going out and posting that information. What Joaquin Castro did was blatant. This wasn't an accident and hiding behind saying, well, this is public information. I didn't intend to do this or that is beyond the pale. But there's something that's quite interesting. Joaquin Fidel Castro left out the names of Hispanic contributors who contributed the max to the Trump campaign. And furthermore, of the 44 that he did name, publicly exposed, there were six who donated the maximum amount to his brother's campaign and to his campaigns. So he called out not only Trump donors, but his own donors. He doxed them, put their information out. Now, he says, well, I didn't put their addresses. Well, when you put somebody's name and their businesses, you're essentially saying, go look up these people, go boycott these people. He was on Morning Schmo, MSNBC, on Wednesday. Willie Geist laid him on the carpet. Take a listen. What do you hope will happen to the 44 private citizens whose names you posted? Do you want people to boycott their companies, protest outside their homes? What's the goal here? No, that, in, that was never my goal. Uh, yes, like it said, was. It was his goal. Of course, that's why he listed their names and their businesses. Continue. My post was actually as a San Antonian. My family has been here since 1922. It was a lament. So it wasn't meant as a boycott. It wasn't meant to, to target these people. Yes, it, was. Uh, it, it was meant to draw attention to the fact that we've got a lot of people in our community who uh, are respected by San Antonio, who uh, are contributing to this guy that's using their money to fuel hate. Uh, and Bull. so what I stop it right there, Sergeant Steve. These people believe in President Trump. They believe in what he's doing for the economy. They are tired of the way Washington was working. They want to drain the swamp. They want, if you live in San Antonio, there are many Hispanics that also want to stop the flow of unabated illegal immigration. 
That does not mean you hate illegal immigrants. That does not mean you hate Hispanics. doesn't mean there's any hate whatsoever. It means you support someone, period. But this nonsense that you're fueling hate, people have a First Amendment right. But I find it interesting. The Democrats and the liberals now, they believe in the First Amendment only if you agree with them. If you don't, First Amendment goes out the door. Continue. What I hope is that this has started a conversation about what exactly Donald Trump is doing with these people's money. And I hope that these donors in San Antonio and donors throughout the country, unless you support Mm -hmm. the white nationalism and the racism that Donald Trump is paying for and fueling, then I hope that you as a person of good conscience will think twice about contributing to his campaign. Of course. He wanted to expose those people that contributed. Clear. Now, let's take a listen. What was the purpose of doing this? But, Congressman, as you look at this list, I know you said you didn't put their addresses out there. It's easy to find them. These people undoubtedly are already being harassed online or perhaps uh, face-to-face in some cases. They could be. What do you say to those people this morning who said, I made a campaign donation and now I'm going to be harassed I'm going to have people protesting outside my business or perhaps even my home. What do you say to them? Do you want them to repent for their support for Donald Trump or what do you want from them? Well, the first thing is that I don't want anybody harassed or targeted. But they will be because or, you put their names on in public. Like that that was not my intention. But that's these what will things happen. are these things are public. No, what I would like for them to do is think twice about supporting a guy who is fueling hate in this country. So you disagree with President Trump, and you are now exposing people that legally contributed their First Amendment right, and yet now you just want to expose them so they don't? You knew exactly what you were doing, Joaquin Fidel Castro. You knew exactly. You knew your intent. You're a blatant liar. Last cut. Congressman, do you agree that in this culture, and believe me, I'm making no equivalency to what Donald Trump's doing. We're on the record on this show three hours a morning about the ads that they're putting up, about the rhetoric he uses. But if you agree that rhetoric can lead to incitement, even if it just triggers one person to do something terrible, does it give you any pause about putting these people's names out in public? Well, Willie, they're already public. They're already out there. There are 11 and retirees and one homemaker who are not public. Right. And this was already circulating. I shared it, so I didn't create the graphic. No, I think, if anything, I think what I am concerned about is the distraction from the fact that people are grieving in El Paso, uh, that these All folks right, just I've got killed. The fact is, if President Trump shares or retweets something, they all point the finger and go crazy. But okay. But here, Castro claims innocence. Oh, I just shared something. He knew exactly what he was doing. He is an absolute scumbag. Joaquin Fidel Castro knew what he was doing. So now, no problem. Let's go out and dox every single Democrat donor. Let's see the Democrats. They'll jump up and down and go crazy. I will save the Democrat socialist sound bites for next week. We will come back. We will get to the Davidoff in-booth interview from the Premium Cigar Convention right around the corner. The August selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is a Nova Cigar Super Premium Sampler, including the Nova Personal Reserve Blio X. This perfectly balanced smoke features an Ecuadorian Habano 2000 wrapper and is worth every penny. Not a member of the Officers Club? 
get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. times when we deviate from alpha male pleasure maneuvers. Today was one of those days talking about what took place in El Paso and Dayton. And also what Joaquin Fidel Castro, his uh, shenanigans. But this half hour, we will be talking cigar pleasure maneuvers. But first, I want to tell you and fill you in about the August Officers Club selection. One of the stars, the bright spots that I found at the Premium Cigar Association convention in Vegas uh, last month, actually the end of June, early July, new cigar manufacturer called Nova Cigar. Passed by their booth, a lot of action. They pulled me aside. They said, General, we love the show. Spend a few minutes. We want to tell you our story. Phenomenal cigars. I was absolutely blown away. Now, these are super premium cigars. These are not inexpensive. We're looking probably at between... 12 13 to 23 24 25 dollars they have their own factory down in the dominican republic they make exceptional cigars just blown away so i smoked their cigars i called them and i said listen we need to do this for the august officers club they said general let's do it so we're going to feature the sultan not named after my canine sultan but it's appropriate. The Leo X and the Nova Classic, three cigars, $51 suggested retail. And if you're a member, $22.95, you're getting a great deal. So if you're not a member, join Cigar Dave uh, Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com. Now, let's go to the Davidoff booth in Las Vegas, the Premium Cigar Association Convention, taking a tour with Klaus Kellner and Scott Colasar. Welcome to the 2019 Premium Cigar Association Convention, Sands Expo Center, Las Vegas, Nevada. Our first stop is the Davidoff of Geneva booth. And you can see people already getting ready to write orders. Nothing new from Davidoff this year, the Davidoff brand itself, but there are new cigar launches from Avo, 
from Camacho. There's a relaunch of Xeno Platinum, but we're gonna start with the Davidoff Taste the Elements experience, a unique part of the Davidoff booth that we are going to give you an exclusive look at. Davidoff has created a very unique experience. Taste the Elements. Klaus Kellner, you're gonna give us the tour. Yeah, of course. Let's go, let's check it out. So now we're in the first stop of the Davidoff Taste the Elements tour, Nicaragua. As you see, a volcano in the Ometepe region of Nicaragua, a very important element. The tobacco that is in the Davidoff Nicaragua is grown in volcanic soil. Klaus Kellner, tell me, what is the significance and importance of volcanic soil in the Davidoff Nicaragua cigar? Well, what we wanted to do was from fire comes intensity, right? And what these volcanic regions are going to be giving to the cigar are these stronger elements in the flavor profile. Towards the back, bitter, leather elements, some wooden notes, pepper. And for us, it's very important to make sure that you guys understand why it tastes the way it does. And Nicaragua is a country that has 19 active volcanoes. So all over the Nicaragua, you got these soils that are very, giving these very specific flavor profiles. And then you have Ometepe, which is an island where you grow tobacco year round and has two active volcanoes. That gives a very nice, acidic, very unique taste to the Davidoff Nicaragua. Well, Davidoff Nicaragua is a huge hit. Love this cigar. And it is a very complex cigar. And part of the reason is the volcanic soil at Ometepe. Yeah. It's getting a little warm being around this volcano. It's fire, man. Let's go from Nicaragua over to the Dominican Republic. Yes. And let ah, now I feel like I'm right at one of the farms in the DR for the Davidoff Yamasa. Now let's talk about the significance of this taste the experience room. So for Davidoff Yamasa, we decided to focus on earth. And what makes Davidoff Yamasa so unique is the red soil. So you can see red soil everywhere. It's another soil that's very, very rich in iron. And Beautiful very, tobacco, yes. silky smooth. Wonderful aroma. I've been working on this tobacco since yesterday, so make sure it's nice and leathery and very uh, smooth. You I'm know, taking this home with me. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know Las Vegas weather is not too good. Very too dry, kind. but this is beautiful. You see how, how soft it is? And this is gonna make great, excellent wrapper that is this Dominican wrapper from uh, a very specific region. We're the only people that grow tobacco in the Yamasa region. And, and now, what are the taste complexion of the Yamasa tobacco? So. It is mainly an earthy component that's going to give some sweetness and some spice. And you can even smell it. Smell, absolutely. It's delicious. Some nice spice. It's not yep. pepper. It's, it's more no, spicy. Absolutely delicious. And, you know, when we look at, at the tobacco, people don't realize these cigars start as raw cigar tobacco like this. They're amazed that it goes from this to this. But this is where it all begins, starting with a little plant, little seedling on the farm, and then about four or five years later, it becomes a cigar. So as we continue the Taste the Elements tour, we started with Nicaragua. Fire. Fire. Yamasa. Earth. Earth. Now we're going to move to Brazil. Yes. For the Escudio. Now this is the fun in Brazil. Beautiful dames. Lots of things going on in Rio and Sao Paulo. And here we are. And the aroma is magnificent. The smell in this Escurio room, and I love the Escurio. 
It's very complex, a lot of flavor, a little sweetness, a little spice, but it's just an incredibly balanced cigar. We wanted to focus on water. So the region of Bahia is where all the premium tobacco is grown in the Brazil for this cigar, uh, Scurio. So you have Matafina and Cubra, and all this water is gonna be toning down the elements, and Escurio is not a very strong cigar, but it's a very subtle cigar that is very sweet and very spicy. It plays with your palate in a very nice way. It's very refreshing in the palate. And the aroma in here is incredible. I mean, I can't describe it in detail enough on, uh, on our video coverage here, but it is so unique. So the Davidoff Taste the Elements, we started Ometepe Nicaragua Volcano. Intensity of Fire. Dominican Republic with the Earth. Yeah, complexity of the Earth. Yamasa, and we end up Davidoff Escurio, Brazil. Originality of water. Outstanding. Now let's go check out the rest of the Davidoff booth. There is an exit here. We're gonna check out the rest of the booth. We're gonna check out the new Avo cigars and the new Camacho cigars as we continue our in-booth exclusive coverage here at Davidoff. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. As cigar connoisseurs, we love to find new cigars. We love to go into the humidor and hunt for the latest and greatest. Well, I do the work for you because as the man in charge of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, I am always scouting what is new, what is exciting, what is hot. At the Premium Cigar Association convention, I found a brand new boutique cigar manufacturer that was the star of the show, Nova Cigars. We're featuring three of their super premium fantastic cigars in our August 2019 Officers Club selection. We're featuring the Platinum Nova Salt and a beautiful box press torpedo with a San Andreas wrapper. The Personal Reserve Leo X, nice spicy, tasty cigar, and the Platinum Nova Classic, very rich. Three great cigars from Nova Cigar. You'll be amongst the first in the country to enjoy these. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com, $22.95 per month, gets you great cigars. Still getting adjusted after the Davidoff Taste the Elements experience. 
I'm still hearing volcanic ash all around me. We're now moving over to the AVO end of the Davidoff booth. We've got Scotty Colas there. Hey, Scotty, how are you, buddy? Good, Dave. How are you? Fantastic. I see you got your nourishment ready to I go. I need it, yes. You, caffeine, you got it. Caffeine. Now, Davidoff not introducing anything new this year on the Davidoff line of cigars, but Avo, you've been very busy. Yes, yes. We always are. We've got a slew of great products coming out, and of course, there's no better place to to launch these and showcase these than here at, here at IPCPR, PCA. Um, so, we're, so we're very excited to, to be here today. Um, would you like me to kind of give us you the tour? Through? Yeah, tell us what's new. What's oh, I right. see east and west. Correct. A little rivalry going on. Th that's right. So this is the regional editions for Avo, right? It's the first time we've ever done something split like this. You have a west edition, which is only available for west coast accounts, uh, right? So it's based on location. Um, Twenty-five thousand cigar production. And East, same thing, different blend, 25,000 cigars, only available to East Coast accounts. So what we're basically doing is our, our sales team and everything are working together um, to see who can, which one is more successful. We're having fun with the consumers as well to kind of have them uh, uh, enjoy each of each of the different ones, but having a little difficulty being able to get it at the same place. So um, really cool, really unique blends. And, and how um, do they differ? So one, um, the East Edition over here has Nicaraguan tobacco in it and a Perfecto format. They're both eleven dollars. Um, the West has um, uh, it's still Ecuador wrapper, uh, Dominican binder, and then Dominican and Honduran fillers, which are. It's unique. We don't really use a lot of Honduran tobacco in an Avo cigar, so this is a first place. Will this be regular production or limited? This is very limited. Very, very limited. limited. Suggested retail. Just, so retail only, 25,000 cigars available. 10-count boxes. And you can see kind of the graphic work, too. Very fun, very energetic. A little different for the Avo brand, right? And when you pair them together, you have the East, have the West, they match up. That's right. But very, very unique. Suggested retail. Uh, $11 a piece. The box of 10 is $110. And All right. Well, we're located in the East, in the Cigar City of right. Tampa. That's but right. I know where to find you, that's right. that's so right. I know how to get have West. Some West. Exactly. You'll have some West. That's what now we, we move over. Very, very unique. Little change. Unexpected for Avo. That's correct. So this is the Avo um, Unexpected Edition, right? Four unique blends all in the Toro format. You have um, the Avo Unexpected Passion, which is a six by 50. You know, similar blend to uh, basically what we've done in the past, uh, a Connecticut wrapper, a Dominican filler, and um, Dominican binder as well, but very, very unique. Then you have the Avo Celebration with the yellow band, beautiful, milder smoke, very limited as well. The Avo Moment, a very um, medium to three-quarter strength, and then the Avo um, uh, Tradition, which is a 6x50 Toro, our fullest-bodied cigar in the collection. So um, Limited edition or regular production? Limited edition. Limited also. 1,500 boxes of each. That's it. That's it. Now, why going limited edition? Because you know these are going to be very popular. Is it limited That's tobacco? Right. What, what's the it's reason? It's limited tobacco. It's limited... Um, it, we found too it's, it helps with the excitement if it's if it's the humidors today they're they're overcrowded there's not a ton of space this helps get it in the store it's limited people enjoy it hey if the feedback's great on it we could see it again in the future but for now that's what we were able to to do but again very very fun packaging bright 
we've never had a blue and a green and a red and a yellow in in the avo line so it, it's it's a lot of fun so we've got the avo east west regional yes limited edition also the avo unexpected and the yellow blue green red Correct. also very limited 1500 boxes 1500 each boxes. and that's at suggested retail so, um they're all a little different but ranging between uh ten dollars and uh twelve twelve fifty well, if the great Avo Vasian were here, He'd be he would love it. He'd and I can tell you, I'm looking at the Avo Classic. And if you are looking for a nice, mild, medium-flavored cigar, a great everyday cigar, special occasion, I love the Avo Number no. 2, Avo Number no. 3. You can never go wrong. Avo Classic, always a great go-to cigar. You cannot go wrong. And you can see the Avo Domain, the Avo XO, the Synchro. Really, Scotty, Avo has had such a unique presence in the marketplace, even very busy the last number of years, sure. totally expanding the Avo portfolio. That's correct. Ever since 2015, when we did the, the refresh of the brand, it's just, we've, we've really skyrocketed from there. And it was, it was the right time. We just celebrated 30 years of Avo cigars last year. So this is kind of starting the next, the next chapter here. Let's move our way across the Davidoff booth to Camacho. Right, By the way, you've got a unique uh, uh, slogan that you are using for Camacho. It goes with football, and you know I'm a football yes. junkie. So I love the new slogan. It is Camacho Tailgate Domination. That's correct. Go all out on the asphalt, but on the field too. Yes, of course, of course. So this is a new campaign um, that we'll be, we'll be launching towards football season, and it'll be a lot of fun. And basically it's Camacho Cigars tailgating, There'll be a ton of in-store activations uh, featuring some of the new products as well, but really something fun to do during football season. And we move along, and uh, one more time, Scott Colasar, brand manager for Avo and the Camacho brand, and Zeno Platinum too, correct? Yes, correct. All right, great. But we got a promotion too, and I hear you're in a bigger office. That's right, yeah. Jeez, yeah, now when I right. see, I'm going to have to you make an appointment. In. I mean, <laughs> I can't just go in anymore. That's correct. Now this year, tell me about the new Camacho Distillery Edition. So Distillery Edition is something brand new. So we utilized our three most popular blends, the Connecticut, the Corojo, and the Ecuador. And what we did here was take the filler tobaccos of each one and age it in charred bourbon barrels for six months. So you have the regular blend of our most popular lines, but just added that extra flavor to it. And um, it's, it's excellent, very subtle. It's not, it's not a flavored cigar in any means. It's just the filler tobacco. So we took, we took what we've learned with the American barrel age right. and the Nicaraguan barrel age right. and kind of brought it into our, our core blends, just in Toro formats. You know, Everybody loves a Toro. That's my favorite size. Uh, it's it's then the a perfect Coro. size. Toro, right. you can never go Toro, wrong. you never go wrong with. So instead of making a full lineup of Churchill, Robusto, Perfecto, no, let's just bring out the Toro. That seems to be everybody's favorite, and and try it that way. So these are available now, um, and again, price point on them, nine twenty-five a stick. So not so limited. Regular not production. Not limited. Regular production. So same exact blends as the Connecticut the Corojo, the Ecuador, just six months in, in bourbon barrels. That's right, that's right. And how does the, the flavor profile, how does it differ? Say I'm the Connecticut, which is a nice mild creamy that's cigar, right. how does that change it? So you're gonna pick up that that hint of, of a bourbon flavor, right? And it's it's in the aroma and it's in the it's in the flavor. But it's not it's not overpowering. If it was too much, I think we'd be doing a disservice to, to some cigar smokers. And it's it's just a subtle difference, and it's it's fun. It's a fun way to experience some of the, the more popular blends. We well, I tell you, I love the Camacho Connecticut, great morning cigar, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Ecuador is an afternoon evening cigar. Definitely. 
And when you add a little bit of bourbon aging to the, is it all the filler tobaccos or the wrapper? Just filler tobacco. Just filler. Yes, and that throw, that'll be just slight, slightly enough to get that noticeable discerning That's taste right. Correct. on the palate. So I cannot wait. Scotty, save me a box of uh, You got it. Okay, you, you got it. Now, let's go over real quickly. Zeno Platinum. Can I show you one yes, thing? Yes, absolutely. I, just, I don't want to miss it. So, um, we have, oh, I forgot about this. Yes, these are the Camacho VXP Tubos. So what we did was basically take our box press Toro formats in our most popular lines and put it in this beautiful um, black black matte finish Tubo, which really looks looks cool, right? It's bold as hell. I mean, a lot that of That is fun. awesome. And price point, $9.25. So we kept the price point. You're not paying a premium for this. This is going to be... This is the gonna next one's going to be the BXB BBA. Yes. B yes. This is BX2. Yes, that's BX2, right. BX2 BBA Bourbon Barrel Age. Yeah, I so love now I, like I gave you like your next line right. extension. You're all ready right, to go. You got it. So I you cannot wait it. to smoke one of those. And why don't I have a cigar in my hand? What yeah, is the problem? Yeah, me neither. We, oh, it's all right. There's too much going on. There is too much going on. We'll have plenty of cigars. No problem. Now let's go ahead and let's move over here. Xeno Platinum, for a long time, Xeno Platinum kind of has been under the radar. It's been busy with Camacho yes. and Avo and Davidoff, but this year, you've got a little renewed focus on Xeno Platinum. That, that's correct. So, one of the things with Xeno Platinum is we've been working with um, UR New York, um, it's artist duo for, for several years, and um, we've, we've partnered with them for exclusive editions, uh, which are actually shown up here. And we, Houston right here. Yep, and uh, you have Tobacco Leaf Las Vegas there. And basically, customers can, our accounts can get their own artwork done by these artists through the Xeno Platinum name. And we have a great cigar called the Exclusive Series. And it's been an excellent, excellent program. And this is the Z Crown. Look at this. This is yep. magnificent. Take a look at that. This is a stout. Those are $100 retail per. That's why you That's took why. them out. See, look at that. Because you knew I was going to probably snag one of these. Very nice. Yeah. And yeah. tell me about this really blend. unique. These cigars are actually rolled and aged for 12 years before coming to the market. Super complex blend, made in the Dominican Republic, um, and it's a, it's a torpedo format. But, but really. On top of that, we have back to back cigars, which are with. You are New York, the same artist that do Zeno Platinum. Um, great value here, all under $10. Three formats, 5x50, 6x60, 7x70, um, available now. And um, Connecticut wrapper on this? Connecticut and Nic uh, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Yeah. Yeah. Big size. Was yes, that 70, 70 ring gauge? 70, 70, 70. That's, that, that's, that's for alphas. That's right. No that's whistle right. five betas for that, and that's going to be more of a mild, creamy type cigar. Correct. And Correct. when are these all available? They're available now. They're, they're, they've been available. So. All available now. Yes. At Camacho, the last number of years, I see Dylan Austin, who is now the president of Davidoff North yep. America. We knew him back when he was just the brand yeah, manager. Yeah, that's right. And now he's a big shot. We've got to make an appointment. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> got to see 10, 10 assistants to see yeah. him. But he really started about five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, repackaging, reblending, reigniting, hey, if you will, right. the yeah. Camacho, the Live Loud tagline and Camacho today Avo I think there's just so much energy now in both of those brands that didn't exist there's always with Avo but Camacho and Avo today there's just a uh, renewed yeah, sense of excitement. that's right that's right and we're super excited about it and, and it's been great we've had great reception all around the globe honestly 
you know, you do a great job one year, it's how do we outdo it the next one? Well, you already told me before you're working already for the 2020. That's right, that's right. I was right. gonna say IPCPR, now the PCA, the, the Premium Cigar Association. That's Convention. right. So you're already working next year. Yes, and you know, it'll be here before we know it. It's it will, <laughs> and, and I visit you in the office on a that's regular right. basis because Davidoff's headquarters is in the Cigar City area. And I go in and I see all these blends and boxes <laughs> yeah, and boxes different everywhere, the bands, you know, yeah. R5, 7A. Yeah. And I'm like, Scotty, what is it? Just, uh, just smoke it. Yeah, here you and go. And you never know what you're going to get. But the amazing thing is between the great factories and people you have in the Dominican and in Honduras the, and the tobacco inventories you have, the blends coming out are absolutely sensational. Thank you. Yes, yes. Scotty Colasar, as always, hey, thank you for pleasure. the tour. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, everybody. There's a lot going on at Camacho, at Avo, and the, just as you look to my left, the Davidoff Tasty Elements, the Escurio, the Nicaragua, the Yamasa, the Fire, the Heat, uh, or the Heat, Earth, and I think it was smell. I can't remember water. One of the three. But in any event, fantastic. Be on the lookout for all those great Avo cigars and the Camacho cigars. I've got samples of them all. Can't wait to get to it. Now, we did not get a chance today to get to the Democrat Socialist Convention, but I'll play the audio cuts next week. Also, I have to tell you about my rat termination story. Did I catch the rats that had invaded my outdoor grill area? Did I not get them? We'll save that for next week. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the socialists. If we want to tackle the real problem going on with boys, we can solve it. Leave it up to us alphas. We will get the problem solved.